ready to keep you company wherever you are. Card Blanche, the podcast, brings you immersive, hard-hitting stories anytime, anywhere, every week. It's Monday, and that means only one thing. Time for another whole week wrap with Daily Maverick and Carte Blanche. This week, Masake Kana finds herself on the side of the road as she's working on a Carte Blanche story, while Daily Maverick's money man, Ray Matlaka, joins us from Joburg. Here are this week's headlines. Winter is coming, and so is more load shedding. Does our electricity minister have a plan? Ray Matlaka recently had a chat with him. There is no new plan, by the way. We're going to be doing same old, same old going into this year's winter season. Hao Teng gets a new 4,000-strong crime prevention unit, but it's been met with widespread criticism. The life Essie Demeni inquest continues and South Africans are not impressed. And show us the money. Why Masa is giddy over revamped banknotes and coins. Welcome to the Whole Week News Wrap. Excited to bring you this week's edition of the Whole Week News Wrap with myself. My name is Masa Kekana. And this week I'm very excited to be joined by Daily Maverick's esteemed journalist, Ray Masaka. Ray, I always start with this because I always want to know how are journalists doing? I'm exhausted. But I'm also grateful because this week we celebrated World Press Freedom Day. Because as African journalist, I'm really privileged to live in a country where press freedom is enshrined in the Constitution. So I'm exhausted, but also equally hopeful. I'm so glad you're starting on a positive note. So <laughs> seeing as you're starting on a positive note, I was captivated by your interview with our new Minister of Electricity to talk about his big plans to curb load shedding, particularly as we're going into the winter months. But he spoke to you quite extensively about his plans, which involve the need for diesel, and this is something that, of course, we've heard other CEOs, in particular our former CEO of ESCOM, Andre Director, calling for. We've got now our Minister of Electricity, Kosi and Samakopa, also asking for the same thing. And this is all to do with the open cycle gas turbines. But there's also some complexities with this. If you could just take us through your chat with him and how was his demeanor? He seemed very confident. We are dealing with someone who is a qualified engineer, so he knows the nuts and bolts around SKIMS, the power stations, and systems around there. There is no new plan, by the way. We're going to be doing same old, same old going into this year's winter season. We're going to burn about 30 billion rand worth of diesel just to prevent higher stages of blackout. Last year alone, we spent about 21 billion rand on diesel. Again, this year, that budget of diesel procurement is increasing. Spending more money on diesel is not sustainable because there are logistical problems regarding transporting diesel to Ankerlich and Roriga plants. About 100 trucks deliver diesel a day at those plants. Those plants don't have the capacity to take on more trucks. What you're going to end up seeing is trucks just queuing outside delivering diesel. But what's scary is what Jose Saramahopa says, 30 billion rand won't be enough to carry Eskim throughout this year and early next year. So you might see Eskim approaching the government for more money to buy diesel to really stave off higher stages of load shedding. 
Last year, we spent 21 billion rand, as you said, on diesel. This year, we've got 30 billion rand. And he still says that will be exhausted before the end of the financial year. That 30 billion rand is set to carry Eskim for only six months. Then for the remaining six months, Eskim has to come up with ways of finding diesel. Last year, when Eskim ran out of money to buy diesel, it had to approach the public enterprises department. So... For the remaining six months or so, Eskim won't have any money to buy diesel. I was listening to the South African Reserve Bank Governor, Lesetla Kanyaho, speaking about this dark black spot we've got, literally. And how he described it was so poetic, Ray. He said, load shedding has stolen the smiles of South Africans' faces. And we feel it every day. I mean, on average for stage six, you don't have electricity 10 hours a day. Now, imagine during winter, if we go through stage seven or stage eight, as some people have suggested, this means that on average, you wouldn't have electricity for 13 hours a day. I mean, that's not quality of life for myself, to be honest, eh? It is not. It is actually, it's the horror movie that we live in. But you know what? I also must say, I do appreciate when I read your interview with the Minister of Electricity was the candidness and the honesty. I remember it was a few years ago, there was an interview that I had done with Andre Dureta, and he had promised that during that winter, there'd only be three days or so of load shedding. And needless to say, there weren't obviously only three days of load shedding. And I think I appreciate this approach by the Minister of Electricity Mm -hmm. to say, listen, we are going to try and lessen the stages. Buckle up. We're just going to yeah. try and make it more bearable. The public has grown tired of excuses. And sorry to put it bluntly, but I think people can now see the BS and mm. cut through the spin when it comes to load shedding. I think as a nation, we are growing impatient and we can tell when we really are being lied to or duped. Gauteng Premier Panyaza Lesufi recently announced a new crime-busting unit consisting of about 4,000 unemployed youth. With just three months of training, many political parties, including Action SA and the DA, have voiced their concerns about the initiative. In a way, Massa and Ray agree, but there's a silver lining. I don't know if you feel duped by the crime prevention warden story. There's been a lot of mixed reaction to Gauteng's crime prevention wardens. They were announced by the Gauteng Premier, Banyaza Lusufi, and their role is to try and curb the crime that we experience as South Africans. I, for one, get the intention to try and do something yeah. about our crime problem. I mean, when you're looking at our most recent crime stats, last year, we had 7,004 people who were killed. And that's just in the second quarter. It increased by 841 for the same period the year before, which tells us that it's just getting worse. So any sort of plan to try and curb or prevent crime, 100% behind it. But this one in particular has received a lot of backlash. We had the Community Safety MEC for Gauteng who was speaking of the numbers that were spent. And she mentioned some 450 million rand that was spent for these new recruits. And you just can't help but think what 450 million rand would have done for the South African police service that's in dire need of resources. I think when it comes to crime, everyone has a story, Masa. But over the next three years, Gauteng's 
budget for fighting crime is expected to go from 750 million rand to a multi-billion rand budget. We've seen the picture circulating on social media um, mm-hmm. with some of all the members of that unit. And to be honest, it, it doesn't look inspiring. We've seen the uniforms. We've seen the garb. I wonder if some of these personnel were adequately trained in terms of responding to crime. I would have preferred that the funding goes to existing structures we have in hiring a police personnel. I'm not a huge fan of starting new crime-fighting units. A lot of policemen will tell you that what they need is more police officers in the system. That's my main worry. But you're right, Masai, the intention is good, but the execution, I guess, this time is a bit suspect. It is a bit suspect. found it really airy-fairy to me. And comes across, Rayan, you let me know, it comes across mm. as an expensive shortcut. Yeah. I like the saying, giving anything the benefit of the doubt and to be proven wrong. But we understand that, you know, the public's trust in this government, there's a huge trust deficit and the confidence levels in the government's ability to govern is also quite low. So I guess that's why we see the nation very skeptical on ideas such as this fighting and prevention unit. Some residents have actually hit back to say, you know, at the people that are being criticized online to say, look, we know these people. They are part of our communities. They've been helping with local structures, CPFs and the likes, and they've been doing formidably well in curbing crime in their local areas. I was listening to a talk radio station and they interviewed one of the gentlemen who has gotten this job. It just gave a different perspective on a human level as well, because we do have an unemployment crisis. And hopefully they are well-trained and they will you know, yeah. make a difference in our crime. But the silver lining is also 4,000 people who didn't have jobs are now able to have a job to look after their families. Yeah. And I listened to this man saying, I'm finally going to be able to look after my dad and my son. I always wanted to be a police officer, but I couldn't make it that far. So I'm able to still exercise that passion, but I understand that I'm not a police officer, even though they Mm. will have some sort of powers, they'll be able to, you know, issue fines and be able to arrest the the real hopeful person in me, Mm. this becomes a success and then it is spread across the country. Indeed, I mean, and the wardens are mostly young men and women, and we know that there's a huge youth unemployment rate in South Africa that is in excess of 60%. So any job creation initiatives, I am behind it. I welcome it with my pom-poms. Yeah, win-win. If the crime stats go down, we feel safer, more people are employed, then kudos to Gauteng Premier Panyazali Sufi. In October 2015, then MEC for Health in Gauteng, Kredani Maslangu, announced the end of a contract between Gauteng Health and Life Esidemeni. Suddenly, at least 2,000 long-term psychiatric patients had to be moved to various ill-equipped NGOs. The result? 141 deaths and 44 patients still missing. A further 1,400 surviving patients suffered unimaginable torture and trauma. And now, nearly eight years later, families are still seeking closure. We reflect on Matlangu's recent appearance before a judicial inquiry. While we've been watching the Life Isidemeni inquest and the former MEC of Health for Danny Matlangu testify there, it has been astonishing to see that the attitude that she displayed 
all those years ago when she was being interviewed about these patients who were removed, the 141 life SED many patients who have moved to all sorts of NGOs, some not so good, an overwhelming majority of them not so good, that the attitude since 2016 till now in 2023 is pretty much still the same. Indeed, no remorse, no moment of reflection, no empathy, no care and duty Mm. uh, to the family members of those who passed away. I'm reminded of the saying, you judge a nation by by how it treats the elderly, the disabled and children as well. And I think as South Africa, on all scores of those cohorts of people, I think we score very poorly. The fact that the response from some Gauteng health officials, they said it was not unusual for people to die. I mean, to me, it just shows that you never had the space to truly reflect on the impact of the life SD mini crisis and how big that was. To me, it was like a, a punch to the stomach. Yeah. I, I truly thought that all these years later, there would be much more reflection and this inquest would yeah. go differently. But I mean, disputing evidence, still trying to deny your role and to say, you know, I wasn't part of the day to day. I really wasn't privy to this. But the the lack of remorse that you speak of is evident Mm. from body language to what she is saying. And when you've spoken to the victims, the families of the deceased, and you just spend even five minutes with any one of them, which many of us have done while covering the story, the pain that still exists because this thing is just not, they don't have closure. And while you still don't have closure, you've got a former senior government official who is on national television on a public Mm. platform, basically spitting in your face and on the graves of those patients. And and zero consequence management. I mean, the lives of Dani Mashango, it, it, it pains me to say the following, but she will continue to rise and rise in the state Get another senior position, uh, mm. either in the state or the governing ANC. So, so I think the nation is really yearning for consequences. And we haven't seen any consequences for this particular crisis. And thank God for the media and civil society organizations such as Section 27, which blew the whistle on this crisis when it starts to unfold back in 2016. But I think we need closure and also acknowledgement of wrongdoing. Cash is back. For Massa, at least, she celebrates the newly minted banknotes and coins, while Ray battles to embrace the change. And South Africa welcomes its 12th official language, as Parliament gives sign language the green light. There's such good news in the money department, and you, Mr. Ray Masaga, are the money man. <laughs> you being the first guy, how excited are you that we've got new banknotes? You know, some people were a little bit skeptical, but I must say, the more I listened to Governor Kanyako, I actually it made so much sense. This is really good news. Yeah. It's got great safety features. It's, it's an upgrade essentially, and I love how inclusive it's become because. It's also made provision for the visually impaired. Absolutely, we should be celebrating that. But I think the negative response is that, you know, the Reserve Bank is not the most popular institution at the moment because of those Mm. rising interest rates, which make life more expensive. So even though the Reserve Bank does good in the current climate, it will always be viewed with a negative stain as a result of those rising interest rates. But for me, Massa, I am very resistant to change. I hate change. It makes me (laughs) deeply uncomfortable. So 
I will be collecting those old notes for safekeeping, especially those 10 rand notes, 20 rand notes, you know, keeping them for as a memorabilia, I guess. Yes. But, for sentimental but, um, value. I am so excited. I can't wait. I don't know. Like, I'm using cash now because I want change. So I want them to, I'm trying to get the new notes somehow. I just want to see it and touch it and feel it. I'm really excited about it. And also, it's also in commemoration of, you know, Nelson Mandela passing 10 years ago. So a lot to celebrate about it. Our final green shoot before I let you go, because this one is really, really, this one is a goodie, Ray. We've got so many this week. Sign language has been approved as our official 12th language. Jeez. You know, I really don't want to be that Grinch that steals Christmas, but I just wonder why did it take so long? You know, I know. Um, I know. I mean, it's a huge community of you know uh, people who communicate through sign language, but I don't want to be a Debbie Downer. This is a good thing. Better late than never, right? Better late than never. Absolutely, and that is it for our green shoes. Thanks, Ray. You're amazing. You rock. Thank you so much, everybody. As always, take care. Thanks for listening. In case you missed any of our earlier episodes, you can find them all now on Spotify and all other major platforms. Also, head on over to the Carte Blanche and Daily Maverick websites for more insightful content.